Welcome to episode 39 of 1530. So today we'll be discussing the French Open. Uh, Novak Djokovic defeated Stefano Tsitsipas in an amazing final that went five sets. We'll talk all about that final. But also, the semifinals are pretty good as well. We'll be discussing those matches. King of Clay, Nadal was defeated by Djokovic. We'll talk about kind of why that happened and what the numbers show with that. Because that was a match for the ages. That's kind of what we have in store. Kind of a little preview. We want to talk about Tsitsipas, how he's able to win on clay and how it's different than maybe how Djokovic or Nadal wins. It's a little bit reminiscent of Roger Federer, who's made four French Open finals. So that's going to be a point of discussion as well. And, of course, we do have the numbers to back it up. We also want to look forward to Wimbledon. Obviously, Djokovic has got to be the favorite. Federer usually is kind of a favorite going into Wimbledon, but I think this year with his form, he's struggling a little bit. So be interesting to see what what unfolds there as Wimbledon approaches. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. All right, we'll start off with the stat of the day. So our most obvious stat of the day is one, one major. Novak Djokovic is only one major away from tying Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal for the most majors of all time. This is probably a little shocking for you Nadal fans who would have guessed that Nadal would have pushed his total to 21 by this point because, let's face it, Roland Garros is his playground. He has only won it, not won it, what, three times now for the times that he's he's entered into the tournament? I guess maybe four because one time he withdrew, didn't lose. But his third loss in Roland Garros, they even erected a statue. I believe this year was the first time they had that statue erected. So pretty crazy. But now Djokovic only stands one major away. He's really kind of made up for lost time, and it'll be interesting to see if he'll even tie that later this year or if Federer will have something to say about it on the grass of Wimbledon. The other stat of the day we want to talk about is, for actual numbers, is Nadal had eight double faults. So if that seems like a lot to you, this is in the course semifinal match against Djokovic. That is a lot for Nadal. He only had six aces. We kind of talked about going into Roland Garros that his serving, especially the double faults, were a little bit concerning. And I was just curious to see how many double faults he usually has per match throughout his season. So I drew a nice little chart here. So it looks like, you know, for his entire career, he's never been higher than, really higher than two. I guess now he's a little bit higher than two, but two and a half double faults per match. Of course, this is more going to be weighted toward, you know, best of three sets. But if even if you go best of five, kind of multiply it by two there, you know, a little bit longer matches, you're still nowhere near the eight. Eight is much higher than, you know, double faults we've seen from Rafa. We've seen him very consistent. So even on the clay, you know, really getting that first serve in, really high first serve percentage. And if he gets a second serve in, he's hit, kicking it to the player's backhand generally, especially the one-handers. And he's not missing that second serve. But against Djokovic, and really kind of all season, really struggling with the second serve. So that's that's our stat. Those are our two stats of the day, I guess you could say. But Matt, before we get into the final, we need to talk semifinal. So let's talk about your guy, Nadal. What, first of all, you know, what, what were we seeing from that match? You know, there's been a lot of intrigue kind of around it. What do you what do you got for us on that? Yeah, I mean, it was a great match. It was well played on both sides of the the court. Um, as a as a Nadal fan, you had to be feeling good in the first what four, five, five games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> five and zero, oh, right? 
yeah. And then Joke reestablished himself and and played well, got himself into the first set, and then uh, even though he dropped the second set, and then did he drop the second set? No, I guess I guess it was in four, right? So yeah, so then he took the second, took third, took right. the fourth. So really, it all came down to that third set for me. I feel like the winner of that set. Well, I mean, I guess you always have to account for Joke's mindset and his mentality is top notch and, and incredible. But I feel like that was the death knell for for uh, for Rafa. And so, if you look at the numbers, it makes sense. The numbers show that Joke overall played just a little bit better in in pretty much each aspect of the game than than Rafa did. So overall, for the full match. Um, their their first serve percentage was pretty even, sixty four percent for for Djokovic and sixty five percent for Rafa. Um, the win on the first serve was a tad bit higher for Djokovic. He was getting sixty five percent of his his points off the first serve, whereas Rafa was down in fifty nine percent range. And then on the second serve, Djokovic went in half of his points, whereas Rafa was only winning about forty percent, so a little bit lower there. But I think uh, one of the biggest points here that really hurt Nadal in the end of it was unforced errors. And so Rafa had 55 over the match compared to Joke's 37. And if you break it down by by sets and you look at that third set, Djokovic had just 10 errors to Rafa's 23. So just a, a huge disparity there in unforced errors. And we all know that that easy, easy volley that Rafa missed. Uh, I think it was in the tie break. It was like three, four or something in the tie break. And just kind of a, a one picture moment of kind of some of the mental easy mistakes that Rafa was, was prone, more prone to make than Djokovic in that set and kind of throughout the match. And I think that was, that was the summary of the match for, for Rafa. Just a couple points here and there where his, his, mental fortitude or his consistency just kind of broke down just a tad, just enough for Joke to get in there and and finish it off in four. Yeah, what a like you said, I think well said on what a match that was and how just a few points here and there. And I really like you talked about the first set. I thought that was crazy when Nadal went up five and zero, and you're like, and Joke was just talking about in the press conference of I know I have belief I can beat Nadal. And you're like, you're not showing it, dude. You're down five love. <laughs> And then he comes back and makes it a 6-3. And you're like, man, how did he come back? You know, I think that kind of got him back in mentally, even though he lost the set. And I'm just thinking back to less than a year ago, right, when they played Roland Garros in October. And he got totally blitzed by Nadal. Straight sets. There might have even been a 6-0 or 6-1 set. It was very, very one-sided. Of course, a little bit colder, slower conditions. But I was think I was kind of getting the same feeling at the start of the first set in this match. But... That's not what happened, right? Djokovic flipped it around. I think conditions playing faster, you know, you usually talk about how that favors Nadal. He's feeling that up-the-line forehand can really turn into winners, but it was really helping Djokovic. And just something, you know, this is more qualitative that I was noticing is just how Djokovic was able to, in the rallies, really neutralize Nadal. He wasn't able to really work that up-the-line forehand after that first set as much, finding it for winners. It was more a lot of cross-court pulling Nadal wide on the backhand, Nadal, he's got a great slice backhand, but I think he was slicing a few too many backhands, allowing Djokovic to dictate a little bit more. 
And then he's kind of figured out also like Federer, when you play Nadal, you know, you can also hit it wide to his forehand to go for some inside out winners. And he was going for that as well. So it's kind of weird. He's playing the angle game a little bit better and not taking away that up the line from Nadal, I think is huge because when on a faster court, if he gets that up the line rolling, I mean, you're, you're pretty much done, right? He can finish points so well on that up the line forehand. So again, that's not necessarily numbers, but more tactically how Djokovic was playing. It was honestly a little bit has, uh, you know, how Feder has kind of played Nadal a little bit more, but obviously on a clay court, it's a, you know, good, it's a good theory, but actually put it into practice, you really got to play well. And I think you said it with less unforced errors. It's kind of interesting on the stats. This is Infosys stat statistics on the Roland Garros website. You sort them by significance the statistics and it depends on the match, right? So some statistics for this Nadal Djokovic match will be considered, you know, the, the most important stat or the second most important stat. That'll be different from a different match that you analyze. And so this one was winners, which I thought was interesting that winners is the most important, which Nadal had more, I think well, at least third set he had more overall, actually Djokovic had two more, but unforced errors. It was like drastic, you know, the amount that Nadal hit it more unforced errors than winners. Djokovic, he hit much, much less. Uh, it looks like, um, what is that there? Doing math here. So it looks like 13 less unforced errors. So his plus, his plus minus is huge. And then from then on, it went to receiving points one, which this is a big one want to talk about, right? I think the guy who wins this match, you know, whether it's the one in Rome where Nadal won it or this one where Djokovic won it in Roland Garros, it's dictated by that, those receiving points putting lots and lots of pressure, which Nadal always does on the other person's service game. He was 41%. I mean, that's that's just not the usual Nadal number for clay court matches. Djokovic was a 47%. That's that's an incredibly good number, and that's closer to a, like a Nadal number where there's just too much pressure on the other the other person's service games, and then you wilt and you, you give up breaks. And so Nadal, unfortunately, just didn't have as many – Chances on Djokovic service games, which you got to credit Djokovic. He was serving pretty well in this match as well. But like you said, pretty high level from both guys. And like you said, it really came down to a couple points here and there, really. And all said and done. And no doubt. That fans uh, got their way, but I, I, you're sitting here looking at Djokovic having a, a golden slam. And I just don't see how that's better for anybody. <laughs> Everybody's hating on Rafa. Everyone's hating. They're gonna be they're gonna be regretting it in a couple months. How we'll see, man. Djokovic doesn't usually play well at the Olympics, but I mean, if he's hungry, anything's possible. Best of three, he's vulnerable, though. I will say. Yeah. But I'm, I'm I can't count him out for Wimbledon. He's got to be the you know head and shoulders favorite for Wimbledon. Nadal won't be there. Not that he's done super well in the grass as of late. Federer's kind of struggling, which you'd kind of credit Federer. You know, he had match points in the final, not last time he played Djokovic. The last time there was a Wimbledon, kind of sounds weird to say, because last year there was no Wimbledon with the with the pandemic. They got their pandemic insurance that paid him out. So, yeah, I mean, you just I feel like Djokovic is a, is a pretty strong favorite going into going into Wimbledon. We'll see though. It's hard to it's hard to win tournament after tournament as we've seen. One last, one last thought on the on the third set there, and just in general was the is the second serve points one for Nadal. You mentioned it that it was not as good in the third set. It's pronounced though. It's sixty uh, percent for Djokovic, only forty percent for Nadal. Granted, it's a smaller sample size because it's one set, and Nadal's first serve percentage is usually pretty high. 
But still, it's just like, you know, Djokovic is finding ways on Nadal's second serve where against other guys, you know, Nadal's not struggling to win second serve points one. So Djokovic is a totally different animal. I think he totally took it to Nadal after that first set. And yeah, it was fun to watch, but in some ways you're kind of felt for Rafa because, you know, volley here, volley there, slice backhand here and there, and, and Djokovic is in the match. So uh, still, still shocking to see Nadal lose, but... Djokovic had to play high level to beat him. I mean, Nadal's just that good on clay. So, all right. So let's 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 cover the other semifinal. Let's shift gears here. So this is the of course the young guns going at it. Zverev and Tsitsipas. And going into this match, it was very very strongly favored, especially from the pundits. It's like, oh, Tsitsipas got this in the bag, straight sets. And of course, Tsitsipas has been showing this tournament. He did go up to two quick sets. But then he let Zverev kind of go back into it. Zverev started playing more aggressive. He started coming to net a lot more and kind of rushing Tsitsipas and got a break in each set, 6-4, 6-4. So, and then in the third set, or the fifth set, excuse me, it was crazy to watch because Tsitsipas almost, I think it was love 40 or 15-40 down. He was almost going to get broken the first game of the fifth set. He fought and he held that game. And then from then on, he had momentum. It was, it was kind of a weird momentum shift there. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go to the numbers here. We'll do first kind of the match overall and then the fifth set, but I was impressed by the level by both guys. Honestly, both guys were going to net quite a bit. CT Poss was just a little bit better, 73% net points one to 66%. But again, both guys went to net 30, you know, 35 times. So I was impressed by Zverev when he was knocking down those volleys, did pretty well. He's really improved that aspect of his game. Uh, by significance, that was the second most significant stat after unforced errors, according to Infosys. Um, CC Boss had less unforced, but it was pretty close. Then the win on first serve percentage. So both guys, again, really high level, 76% for CC Boss, basically identical 75 for Zverev. So both guys really working the first serve really well. Ace count was also fairly similar. Receiving points won. CC Boss is a little bit better. 36% to 32%. A little bit more pressure on the Zverev uh, return games. And then it's kind of weird to see win on second serves and break points way at the bottom of the list. But Tsitsipas did better on at least winning on second points. Second serve points at 52%, vice 40%. But it's, again, weird. I mean, that's a pretty important stat. Weird to see it so far down the list. And then break points. Tsitsipas had five break points out of 14 for a 36% conversion rate. Zverev only had six opportunities, but he did make the most of his chances there and won three out of six for 50% conversion rate. So just going to the fifth set, look at that, look at that significance there. So they reshorted the stats to win on first serve, 83% for Tsitsipas to 74% for Zverev. So really elevated his level there, winning behind that first serve. And I think it kind of carried him toward the end. But I don't know, Matt, any uh, any thoughts on the Tsitsipas-Zverev match? Semifinal? No, I think um, I think he covered it well. I, like you said at the beginning of it, interesting that Severa was able to claw his way back into that match. Yeah, amazing mental fortitude that he had to do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just real quick on the net point. So in set three, just go go back to Severa doing well at the net. He came to net looks like 15 times in that, uh, in that third set, which is almost, 
you know, that's six times more than C than Tsitsipas even attempted and had a pretty good conversion rate of 67% of those volleys. So set three, he was really able to come, come behind a serve and knock off some nice winners at the net and have a really nice winner count there. So I think, I think there's some positive things. It's kind of weird to see it again. So you, you look at the U S open where he was up two sets to love over team and kind of blows that lead and teams able to win in five. This one, he's down two sets to love in a semifinal comes back and pushes five. So I think he has some of the mental fortitude. there. He's just got to close the match or not go down two sets to love like he did against team. And Tsitsipas, it was really weird to see him also kind of relinquish his groove that he was in and let Zverev dictate. Cause that, that's really what Zverev did. He went from being more passive to dictating in the third and fourth sets. So pretty fun to watch these guys. I don't think this will be the last match we'll watch of these guys, but great to see their level was pretty high on the clay. So that's really all I got for the semifinal. So let's go, let's go to the final. So we'll first we'll cover the final and then I'll talk about kind of my thoughts on Tsitsipas and Zvera, or sorry, Tsitsipas and Federer and their similarities, but specifically on the clay. So were you able to watch much of the final, Matt? Um, was I able to? No, not a ton of it. I watched the first two sets, so I guess the good amount. I watched the good part. <laughs> That's basically what I watched. Yeah, I watched the first two sets, and then I, I kind of followed a little bit in the little bit in the fifth set. But yeah, crazy match. I was starting to get the feels too. I'm like, man, every time Nadal's been defeated at Roland Garros. The person who's defeated him has lost in the final. So you think of Soderling losing to Federer in 2009. Djokovic took out Nadal in the quarters in 2015. He loses in the final to Stan Wawrinka, the infamous final, where Stan had the really ugly shorts but was playing, you know, out of his mind, right? So uh, Wawrinka upset Djokovic in the final. And then this year, I guess, is the only other time he's lost. And was getting that kind of same kind of thought. I'm like, Tsitsipas is up two sets to love. He's playing really well. It was crazy watching that first set, too. I don't know if you had the same thoughts. Is he had he had some chances, I think, to break or to go up 5-4, but then he he missed it. And then Djokovic, all of a sudden, out of the blue, breaks him at 6-5, and you're like, okay, Djokovic will serve for the set. Tsitsipas breaks back and then goes to a tiebreaker and plays really gritty tennis to take the tiebreak. And you're like, man, Tsitsipas is just all the momentum. He breaks again in the start of the second, wins the second 6-2, and you're like, man, this guy's unstoppable. And then the third and fourth, I don't know how Djokovic does it, but you know he came back obviously, and Tsitsipas level definitely dropped. So we'll, with that, we'll look at the numbers now. But just amazing roller coaster of a final, you could definitely say. Yeah, absolutely. One of those where it's a tale of two matches. Absolutely, that's exactly what it was. All right, so let's look at the numbers here. So I have the match first charted out. So overall, it has the winners as the most important stat, I guess, they have here. So Tsitsipas did hit more winners, uh, but it was but it was close, 61 to 56. Their net points won also pretty identical, uh, 61% by 63% for Djokovic. Higher, and it was the same number of times. They both went to net about 30 times. And I was a little surprised that Tsitsipas didn't go to net a little bit more. I don't know if a couple of passes hurt him or if he just stopped doing it, but I, I think he could have he could have kept could have kept that up. Unforced errors, both guys, again, pretty similar numbers. Tsitsipas only had three more, 44 to 41 for Djokovic. So overall, his plus minus for winner to unforce actually better than Djokovic. But again, like you said, tail two matches. It doesn't matter if you win a set 6-2 and then you lose the next set 6-4, right? Two breaks, vice one break. So 
Well, well, let's look where, where Djokovic edged him out on the match overall. So first serve, man, Djokovic is so solid on that first serve. So he, um, he's the first serve percentage was 68% by 62. But the big one that he did super well on was winning first serve points 78% by 67% for Tsitsipas. So, I mean, that's 78%, close to 80%. That's like grass court number or fast, hard court. He was just so, so good on the serve. I don't know how else to put it. Or Tsitsipas just struggling on the return, however you want to put it. But, I mean, that's just an astronomical number. And then win on second serve is 53% for Djokovic. Tsitsipas didn't do bad. He was 50%. But, man, Djokovic was uh, was playing really well. And then receiving points won. So Djokovic, remember, he won 47% of Nadal's. This one, he was only 40% overall. But compared to Tsitsipas, 30, I mean – Tsitsipas just not in enough service games to really hurt Novak in the end. And then the ace count for Tsitsipas was 14, vice 5 for Djokovic, so a lot more aces, though Djokovic was still able to find ways to win off the first serve. And then the break points was 5 out of 16 for Novak and 3 out of 8 for Tsitsipas. So Novak creating a lot more opportunities, right, because he's winning more of the returning points, return points. So if you go quickly through the through sets, I think I have sets one and five here. We'll go through real fast. Uh, one, two, and five. So just the big takeaways here. So in set one, you have the win on second serve. was pretty high for Tsitsipas. So his his numbers really came down because I think, what are we were saying, 50% for the match. He was at 67% in the first set, vice 25% for Novak. So Novak was doing well on his first serve. But second serve, Tsitsipas was playing very aggressive and taking it to him. and. Efficient at the net. Both guys were pretty good at the net. That's kind of the big number that jumps out at me. But still, win on first serve, 85% for Djokovic. So really a tale of two serves there, right? He gets his first serve in. It's almost automatic point for Djokovic. If he misses that first serve, Tsitsipas is all over it. So pretty tight set that Tsitsipas won in a tiebreak. Set two was still kind of more of the same. You had second serve where Tsitsipas' level came down a little bit. Still 57% is a really solid number. Djokovic did come up, you know, 25%. You're not going to – he's going to improve that, and he was at 50%. But then Tsitsipas was even better on first serve, points won at 87%, and Novak's level dropped a ton in the second set. 57% went on first serve, and that's why Tsitsipas got two breaks and was able to run away with that set. He won 45% of receiving points won, vice 23% for Novak. So I just showed you, you know, Novak couldn't really buy a point in that second set. But then everything changed. Third and fourth was super lopsided. Well, let's talk about the fifth set statistics overall. So in the fifth set, you had went on first serve, 85% for Novak by 64 for Tsitsipas. And went on second serve was 57% for Novak by 50% for Tsitsipas. And so just overall, it's again, looks like it's really coming down to that first serve. Tsitsipas level dropped. Novak's was way up, even though I think he had a chance. I don't know if it was Croy at a break point, but he had a chance in that last game when Novak was serving it out to, to get back in it, but couldn't do it. And overall, receiving points won. Novak had 43% for the fifth set, vice only 22% for Tsitsipas. So he just couldn't get into a service game, and he lost the one break, and that ended up being it. So, yeah, crazy, crazy match. It's weird to see these ones like – didn't we see one with Medvedev and Nadal where Nadal went up two sets to love? Medvedev came back, won two sets in a row, and even made it a 
a tight one in the fifth. And you see this one with Tsitsipas, two sets still up, up. Novak coming back. It's like, these are just roller coasters, man. Indeed, yeah. And I have to wonder, and I don't know, this is pure speculation, right? But Tsitsipas, wasn't it just last year in the French that he had that five-setter against Djokovic? He did. He did. And he totally he, lost Two sets to love up. And he did. And he was two sets to love down in that one and came back, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So I almost wonder if he needs to pull a Federer and go like train in the desert or something, you know? I wonder if this this up and coming generation I don't know. I mean at some point you think Djokovic is thirty four, thirty something. Nadal's a year yeah. older than him. Rafa's or Fed's thirty nine. And yep. Fed's finally showing it. Rafa's showing it a little bit and being more selective. Djokovic doesn't seem to be No. So, but it, you just you wonder how much of it is is physical. How 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 much in that final fifth set was Sisipas just hurting? You know, obviously yeah. it was it wasn't as bad as last year, but maybe there's maybe there was a little bit of that aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, it's a good point. It's hard to say whether it's that or just I mean, mental. Obviously, there's something there mental where right. you know, in the mental and the physical, there is an interface, right? If you're hurting. You're not able to go for as many shots on the return or whatnot. But yeah, something something there, like you're saying, he's just running out of gas. You know, was, goes up two sets love on Zverev, almost can't finish finish the job, almost goes down a, an early break in the fifth, was able to recover against Djokovic. You know, you gotta he it just shows, right? Djokovic is one of those where he's like a wounded animal, where he's more dangerous, honestly, when he's down. Yeah. Now, no one wants to be down with their back against the wall, two sets to love, but I mean, you you got to take out Djokovic, man. You got if you don't take him out in that third, you know the fourth he starts gaining a little bit more momentum. Um, once he wins the third set, fourth gains more, and then once you go to the fifth, he's got more momentum. So yeah, I don't know what it is with Tsitsipas. There's been a few times in matches where he's not able to close the door, and I personally think it's mental. Um, I'm, I'm thinking back to the Chorich match where he was up. I think he had two match points, 40-15 up. Maybe it's 5-2, and he blows that match. He not only gets broken then, but he gets broken later because obviously he doesn't serve it out or doesn't win that set. He's up 5-2. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. He has His level is clearly there. He's good enough to beat these guys, but, I mean, it just goes to show, right, the big three are the big three for the reason is for a reason, especially Djokovic and Nadal. They're so hard to beat anywhere, and best of five, it's just it's proven it, man. It's insane. Yep. I guess one more quick note on that too. So it's interesting to think some of the best matches of the year, even let alone on clay were Djokovic and Tsitsipas. I believe it was, is it Rome, Madrid, whichever, I think it was Rome where Djokovic was down a set and even a break and Tsitsipas uh, gives up the next two sets, seven, five. And I think Djokovic was able to win it. And it's a crazy tie match, very high level. But again, he's able to kind of let Djokovic creep back in. That one's a harder one because I think it was rain delay. So coming back off a of rain delay, sometimes momentum can drastically shift. But again, he had he was up on Djokovic, kind of like a microcosm of, you know, the French Open, you could say. But just really weird to see that mentally, you're you got to shut the door on these guys and just keep playing your game and do what works. Like you know, why are you not going to net as much? And why are you you know, why are you not able to press on that second serve? of Novak's like you did in the first set. You know, some of those things, it just kind of fades. And like you said, maybe there's something physical there too, but I mean, 
the, the big three are not going to hand these titles over to these young guns. So yeah. they're going to f- need to fight for every point down to the match point, right? Down to, th- you know, got to win three sets. Yep. But I was, uh, yeah, I was impressed. I was impressed with Tsitsipas' level winning those first two sets. Just a little bummed he couldn't finish it off in the end. But got a credit to Novak. He somehow was able to dig out of that one. Yeah, somehow. no doubt. It's impressive. It's otherworldly. Yeah, it is. So with that, let's go over. Let's let's talk Tsitsipas and Clay because obviously it's not a fluke. He's really good on Clay. He won Monte Carlo uh, Masters one thousand. He made the semifinals of the French last year. Made uh, like we talked about fifth set against Novak, where Novak beat him last year, and then this year makes the final. Right, beats Zverev in route. Uh, is you know one set away from beating Djokovic. But not able to do it. So let's talk. Tsitsipas clearly good on clay. He's comfortable on clay. So I was kind of curious, you know, just seeing his really low return point numbers, even even in matches where he's dominant, he's just really, really dominant on his serve, which is interesting. So it got me thinking about him and Federer comparing their numbers. And even if you look at clay or or, um, or hardcore, Federer is much better in most of the statistical categories than Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas has got some work to do on those other those other surfaces, if he wants to play like Federer, you could say. But looking at the clay, the numbers are pretty identical. So this is Fed's career numbers on clay by Tsitsipas. So let's go through them real quick. I think, Matt, I think you'll be a little surprised at literally how eerily similar they are. So I'm just going to go through the serve ones. So ace count, Fed's a little higher by one one and a half points. Okay, fine. Seven, seven and a half percent to six percent for Tsitsipas. That's fine. Um, double faults slightly higher for Tsitsipas, 2.8 to 2.1. But here we go. Sir. First serve percentage, even 61% for Federer, 62% for Tsitsipas. First serve points one, 75% for Federer, 73% for Tsitsipas. Okay, 2% off, probably, you know, maybe statistical nominally. But then you have second serve points one, 56% for Federer, 55% for Tsitsipas. Break points saved, 66% Tsitsipas, 65% Federer. So they're literally like within a point or two of each other. <laughs> Now, Federer's granted he's been better on most of these ones, but break points, Tsitsipas, uh, you know, saving 1% better. Service games won overall is 85% and 85%, right? <laughs> so literally they're able to hold the same, the, the percentage of service games that they are at a pretty high clip, 85% each. Fed's able to do a little bit better on the service points one, so maybe he's winning one more point, you know, one percentage point better. It looks like 67% by 66% of points, but the results are the same. They're winning the same amount of service games. You go to the return points, which really got me thinking that they were similar, but even the serve has shown they're serving about the same way, right? They're winning 75% of points and 73% of points on their first serve, which is a great clip of winning that. They're both dominant on their first serve, even on the clay. So then you go to return points. Okay, so Federer gets a little ace a little bit more, 4% by 3% for Tsitsipas. First serve return points one, Fetters at looks like 35% by 33% for Tsitsipas. So he can improve that a little bit to match Fetter, but it's only off by 2%. And then you go to second serve, Tsitsipas is a little bit better than Fetter, 52% by 51%. Break points one, Tsitsipas a little better, actually 3% better, 43% by 40%. And then return points one overall. Guessed it about the same, right? 40% for Tsitsipas by 41% for Federer for a yield of the same result. 28% of service games won for both guys. So just 
crazy how literally, you know, these numbers are off by a couple points, a couple percentage points here and there, but really the results are the same. They're winning 85% of their service games on clay, and they're winning 28% of their return points on clay or return games on clay. So overall, you go to the overall results. Both guys have won, looks like 70%, 76% of his matches on clay. Federer has won to 75% of Tsitsipas' matches on clay. And the points overall, looks like the breakpoint ratio is a little bit better for Tsitsipas. He seems to save more breakpoints and convert a few more. But Federer's a little bit more dominant in the points, you know, uh, as far as first serve points, one, that type of thing, barely. But overall, Federer's winning 53.5 total points, one on clay, to Tsitsipas' 53%. So pretty crazy there. That And even their match times, Tsitsipas takes a little bit longer to win. It looks like a, an hour and 51 minutes to Federer's hour and 45 minutes. So just crazy to see their career numbers and how literally identical. I mean, they, they have a little bit of the high test, right? They both play well at net. One-handed backhand, really big forehand. But even the way that they're winning points is pretty much identical on clay. So that's why I'm, I'm definitely Roger Federer, at least on clay. You think he's got some work to do on the on the grass and on the hard court, but really, really surprised because I just had that thought. I'm like, man, they seem like they're they're not winning a lot of return, return points, but they're still able to be pretty good on clay, which Federer, you know, he's not bad. In fact, he won – what did he win, Matt, his first – few matches and then pulled out against Bertini. Yeah. So three or something. Yeah. So just a little bit, uh, a little bit shocked there, but Tsitsipas pretty solid. Maybe he can, you know, get a French open title just like Federer has, but he's going to have to go through those guys that really win return points, which are Djokovic and Nadal. Those guys are pretty hard to beat on the clay. And that's the reason why. Yeah, no doubt. That's eerie. Yeah, so that's what I thought too. Like this is crazy, Ari. So let's let's talk real quick. Shift gears. Um, let's talk grass court season. So we obviously have we had Holly and the Queens, uh, Queens Court Tennis Club. So Berrettini won the Queens tournament, which he's been pretty sneaky good on the on the grass. I think he'll be hard to beat at Wimbledon. But then you had uh, Rublev actually get upset to Umber in the final of Halle. But you think, oh, Halle, that's usually Federer's turf. And you'd be right. He's won it, I think, 10 times. So he lost in the fourth round to Felix Azur Aliasim. So this was one that was going to be a little tough going in, even though I feel like Felix was having a rough time on the on the clay, hadn't won a ton of matches. But Fed did win the first set 6-4. I was doing the quick numbers on the on the serve factor and was seeing, eh, he really shouldn't have won that set. You know, according to the serve factor, Ali Asim should have won it because he created a lot more break points. Federer was just a little more clutch in those moments. And I'm like, Federer's going to have to play better because it's, I mean, it's not even really close. Azure Ali Asim was 10 points better on the serve factor. And sure enough, Federer actually his level dipped a little bit and he lost 6-3 and 6-2 in the rest of that rest of that match. So a little bit concerning, you know, if you're a Fed fan, which, you know, that's myself included, he really wasn't able to win a lot of points off the first serve. His win percent on second serve was okay, 56%. I think you can live with, but 62% on the first serve for Federer, you know, he's used to that 80% mark. And then, of course, even worse for him is the receiving points one, which is even more concerning. That movement's not really there. The match fitness, not really there. He only had one break point. He converted it one for one, but Azure, I've seen, had 15 break points, converted three of them. 
He's really got to find a way to get into the service games. And I don't know if there's an easy answer to that. I don't know if it's something technical. It looks like it's more just the legs. But, yeah, a little bit a little bit concerning if you're a Federer fan, especially the way he went out 6-2. It's pretty meekly to go out in the third set. So I don't know if there's any thoughts for you, Matt, on King of Grass is struggling. It's interesting. We talk about the big three having this, these mentalities of steel kind of just a notch above everybody else. And uh, I haven't been following a ton, but it seems like Fed's been making some comments on, you know, my mentality, my my attitude towards things, towards match play, just isn't what it used to be. It isn't where I want it to be. And so we'll see if he's been able to really fix that. Coming into Wimbledon, is, I mean, he make he's right. He makes the point. <laughs> if I keep playing like this, it's you know, it's not going to be very good. So. Right. So there's the attitude part too. Even if physically he's able to get back, you know, and move around, there's there's the mental part of it. And I think even Sampras or I think it was Sampras said it. He said there's some days, you know, you feel fine and you're able to win, and other days, maybe you're not feeling that bad physically, but you just don't quite have it, you know, the goods and the shot selection and some of that. It's just kind of interesting that age, I think it kind of hurts your mental game too. Because if you don't have confidence as well, you're like, oh, I'm missing that forehand that I usually hit up the line or whatever. I think some things can kind of compound on you. And interesting, interesting, sorry, to see Nadal, you know, be dethroned. Though, you know, he fought a good semifinal. Be dethroned to see a Federer, you know, possibly get dethroned and not even get far in Wimbledon. We're, we're used to seeing him go semis or further, really, pretty much every year, you know, there's some upsets, but be really interesting to see that. We did also update our um, Rafael Nadal clay court data for obviously he lost the French Open for how many sets he dropped and kind of looking at his, you know, we saw some warning signs going in that he wasn't playing his best, but still close enough to where he had won before. But because, uh, you know, he was able to win Rome and Barcelona overall, but just another data point because not every day that Nadal loses at his favorite tournament. So we have that ready to go for, for next year and beyond. But yeah, the, uh, tennis, there's a lot of tennis going on and Wimbledon's going to be pretty fun. Anything else, Matt, to, to comment on? That's everything for me. That's all I got. I think there's just a lot of good tennis to watch. I'm excited to see what the Wimbledon draw brings out. I think there'll be some opportunities since people like Nadal and I think Raonic and some others won't be there. So I think there'll be opportunities for other guys to go far. But as always, visit us at cognitionsphere.com. Our theme music was brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts from his song, Cool Rock. And as always, share our podcast with a friend who loves tennis take a minute to write a quick review. And until next time, we'll see you on the court.